content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence if investing. The show is pre-recorded. Everyday Wealth is produced and created by Edelman Financial Engines and hosted by Gene Chatsky. Ms. Chatsky is not an employee or client of the firm. She receives fixed cash compensation as host and for related activities, and therefore has an incentive to endorse Edelman Financial Engines and its planners. For additional information, please see www.edelmanfinancialengines.com slash everydaywealth. The 2022 Top 100 Independent Advisory Firm ranking issued by Barron's is qualitative and quantitative, including assets managed by the firm, technology spending, staff diversity, succession planning, and other metrics. Firms elect to participate but do not pay to be included in the ranking. Compensation is paid for use and distribution of rating. Awarded September 2022 based on data within a 12-month period. Investor experience and returns are not considered. At the intersection of life and money, this is Edelman Financial Engine's Everyday Wealth with personal finance expert, Gene Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. Now, here's Gene Chatsky. Hey, everyone. I'm Gene Chatsky. Thanks so much for joining me today for Everyday Wealth. So one of the things that has drawn a big response over the past couple of months is when we answer your questions, questions from our listeners. And so we thought we'd take a recent question and use it as the jumping off point for today's show. The question is, can you talk about the changes in the Secure Act 2.0 for 2024 and beyond? And in particular, can you talk about them in regards to provisions around retirement savings? This is a great question. It is a timely question. It's on a lot of people's minds. And believe me, there is a lot there. So to help us dig into the topic, Isabel Barrow is with us. She's a wealth planner at Edelman Financial Engines and a familiar face and voice to most of you. Hey, Isabel, thank you for being here. Nice to see you. You too, Jean. Great to be here and great to see you. So let's just back up for a sec before we get into the specifics around this question. And let's talk about context. What is Secure 2.0? So Secure 2.0 was a pretty broad and sweeping tax law change that impacted retirees, right? So retiree savings, IRAs, workplace plans. The goal was ultimately to try to help people to grow their retirement savings, to urge small employers to offer retirement plans. This law change passed in December of 2022. And while some of the provisions kicked in right away, there were a lot of others that just are, you know, kicking in over time. So some that will start start in 2024, some that start in 2025, 26, 27, and even others that are not, not going to kick in until 2033. Wow. So, you know, we're, we've seen some pretty significant changes already kick in, specifically thinking about required minimum distribution. So it used to be 70 and a half, and then it was 72. And then with 2.0, now it's 73 and soon to be 75 in a decade or so. So we're continuing to see changes go into effect through 2024 and later. So when you look at this broad swath of provisions, I mean, you're, you're not understating it. There are more than 90 of them. Fortunately for our listeners today, they don't all kick in in 2024. But let's talk about the changes that we're going to see in the very near term and how they may impact the folks who are listening. 
Yeah. Well, I, let's just start with someone who may be paying on student loans. So there is one provision in Secure 2.0 that states that starting in 2024, employers are now able to make matching contributions to a retirement account that matches your contribution or an employee's contribution to their student loan payments, even if that employee who has student loans is not making contributions to the regular 401k plan. So that could make it a little bit easier if you are, you know, trying to pay off school loans, um, you're a young worker and, you know, just getting started and might not be able to add to the 401k yet because of the loans. And this is going to help you to take that match or what would have been a match for the 401k, put it towards retirement if you're making payments on those loans. So that's a pretty cool thing for student loan borrowers. I love this because a lot of the questions that I get and that I know you get are either or questions, right? I can't afford to both pay my student loans and save for retirement. What should I do? And we, those questions kind of put us in a pickle because although we can run the numbers and figure out where you're likely to get the greatest return on your money, what it doesn't help is the fact that your early years of contributing to your retirement are the most powerful years. And this is this is really a fix for that. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it goes back to the fundamentals of financial planning when we think about how do you prioritize? Where do you put your dollars? And it's really tough when, you know, you might have dueling goals. I want to yeah. get out of debt, but I really need to save for retirement. And this is, again, this is kind of going to, um, you know, this is going to kill two birds with one stone, so to speak. So this is a nice provision. And interestingly, so there's another provision related in, in a, you know, kind of similarly, when you're thinking of 529s. So mm-hmm. another 2.0 provision is that for those who have money left over in their 529s. So, you know, one of, one of the things that we, we deal with often is I want to save for my kids' college, but is it better for me to save in a 529 or save elsewhere or just save for them for retirement? Or, you know, what's the best way for me to do this? And, and I'm worried about overfunding a 529, which let's face it, I mean, with the prices of college these days, if your kids are going to college, I mean, what's the likelihood you're going to overfund a 529? I would say it's relatively tough. However, yes. it can happen. And one of the provisions in um, 2.0, again, Secure 2.0, is that if you have money left over in your 529 or your child's 529, after 15 years, you may, and this again, this starts in 2024. So this wasn't a provision for 2023, but you may be able to use some of the leftover balance to actually convert to a Roth IRA for that student's benefit for future, for retirement. So the rules are, you know, there there are quite a few things that you need to be aware of before you start doing this. It has to be open for at least 15 years. There is a maximum contribution of $35,000 from that 529 plan to a Roth IRA. And it is subject still to the typical annual Roth contribution limit. So that's going to be income limit and whatever the annual contribution limit is in the year that you're making that conversion. So a couple of loopholes that you'll have to jump through. But in general, it's a way that we can look at, look, save for retirement at the same time you're saving for college. So if you overfund that 529, it's not as much of a concern that now I might be penalized to to take money back out if we haven't used it all, because now you have an option where you can say, look, if we haven't used it all, great, we can put it towards our child's retirement and they can get it in 35 years or 50 years or whenever they actually retire. 
Yeah, no, I think it's it's a fabulous provision. And it also, I think, goes to tamp down the fears of parents or grandparents who say, look, how how am I going to know if this baby is even going to go to college, right? How I don't know who this person is going to be yet. They're not fully formed. How do I know if this is a smart move? So this is great. And these first two, I think, are going to be really good for both college savers, but also for those people who are trying to dig out from college debt. There are also some changes I know on, on the horizon when it comes to Roth IRAs. Can we dig into those? Well, so we'll start with Roths as they relate to 401ks. So Roth 401ks, if you have an employer-sponsored plan that has a Roth 401k option and you then retire, you have, just like you have a required minimum distribution for your non-Roth 401k when you hit, well, now 73, maybe in the future 75, you had a required minimum distribution that you had to take out of the Roth as well. And so now that has been a Eliminated. So if you have a Roth 401k, just like a Roth IRA, you don't have a, a RMD or required minimum distribution to take on a Roth IRA. You can just leave that as long as you live. You never are forced to take any money out of it. Of course, tax has already been paid. So you can just leave it alone if you don't need it. Similarly, you can now do that in the Roth 401k. So it makes it even a little bit more appealing for for those who are thinking about putting money into a Roth 401k. And another one as it relates to retirement plans is emergency savings. So this is a totally new one. Employer plan sponsors can now create emergency savings accounts for the employee, the participants in the plan who can now make Roth pay-ins, that's after-tax money again, to a savings account within the plan. Now, th- that you can't put more than $2,500 in, so it is like very specifically an emergency fund account. And the way that that kind of works is that you can make a couple of distributions in a year without any penalties or, or taxes on that. Another one that, that relates again to Roths, and this was supposed to start in 2024, but then because of the complexity of the record keep and how it was all going to be dealt with payroll, et cetera. It was supposed to start in 2024. It's been pushed back to 2026. But still an important one to know is that there is an income look back provision for 401ks in terms of the catch-up contribution. So explain so what this, this means. to me. Yeah. yeah. So if you're over 50 and you're making contributions either to an IRA, but in this case, we're talking about a 401k plan, you can make a catch-up contribution. So you can add a little extra over the annual limit. However, what this is stating, this new rule change, and again, starting in 2026, is that if you earn more than $145,000 in the prior year, which will be indexed for inflation, by the way, your catch-up contributions have to go to a Roth within the company plan. And this is why they had to push it back because not every plan has a Roth, right? So basically what they're saying is, look, if you make over $145,000, we're not going to allow you to continue to make these contributions and take a tax deduction for those catch-ups. So you're going to have to make that to the Roth piece. So that's, you know, it's okay. And I think, it, you know, for some, it may even be better that they're they're adding a little bit to the Roth, depending on what their total situation looks like. But it is something to be aware aware of because it could mean that it changes your tax landscape starting in 2026. So be sure to talk to your tax professional about that. 
when you're looking at contributions to your 401k and you have the choice of putting money into an emergency savings account versus retirement, how do you parse that? So I think that that number one, you want to build your emergency fund, but If you have an employer match on your retirement plan, you don't want to sacrifice that free money from the employer match. So it's one of these questions. It's like six of one, half dozen of the other, right? I think it's very context specific to your situation. I would say that if I really had to choose one, I would say emergency fund trumps everything because you could drive yourself into debt very easily if you don't have an emergency fund and you have a major car repair or a health incident or whatever it is. And so that emergency fund can really help you from getting into sort of that debt spiral. At the same time, I'd really like for you to have both if you can. Whatever sacrifices need to be made in order to just get enough into that 401k plan to get your employer match, if there is one. Again, you know, kind of dueling goals, I guess emergency fund sort of trumps the other, but they're both super important to do. Agreed. Absolutely. And these are the kind of trade-offs and what-ifs that I'm sure you help people with all the time. And this is where having a planner comes in handy. Absolutely. And you can always give us a call. If you have questions about this as it relates to your situation, as it relates to your 401k, and you know, I'm I'm thinking about whether or not I need to be adding to a Roth or if I need to be adding to a Roth IRA or, or you know, what are all the sort of how do I prioritize as I'm thinking about my retirement savings, this is where a financial planner can come in to help everyone's situation might be different. So I might be saying an emergency fund is, you know, is the most important thing to have right off the bat. But if you have a really secure job and, you know, you've got other resources or you've got a home equity line of credit or, you know, lots of lots of other things that we could be thinking about, we might tell you to go ahead and just go you know, add to the 401k instead. So it's all about helping you to understand how to prioritize your financial goals. That's just the, the very basics of financial planning is just coming up with sort of a list of what are the priorities and how do I how do I really go down this list and know what do I do first? What's the most important thing for me given my situation? Yeah. It's all personal, right? Personal finance is more personal than finance and, and putting your own spin on it with help is key, particularly, I think, at, at the start of every new year when we're focused on these things. We were talking, Isabel, about catch-up contributions and the changes that are coming to 401k catch-up contributions. How about IRA catch-up contributions? And I'm saying catch-up, not catch-up, but there you go. (laughs) (laughs) I always like when I say it enough times, I'm always, Mm -hmm. always eventually start thinking about the red stuff coming out of the bottle. (laughs) I know. It's like saying IRA or IRA or RMD or required minimum distributions and somebody says MRD, you know. Yeah, it starts to sound wrong. It does, (laughs) yes. But, you know, so the Secure Act 2.0 is changing a lot of stuff. Like you said, 90, over 90 different provisions and, and updates and changes for retirees or retirement planners. And so one of those is for those who have a catch up contribution. That's people that are 50 or older. This relates to their IRA contributions. And starting in 2024, this is good news, that catch up limit will now be indexed for inflation. So meaning that could increase every single 
year, depending on the federal COLA. Another one that's getting indexed for inflation is the Q, what we call the QCD. That is a qualified charitable donation. And that amount will now also be indexed for inflation. So these are things, again, you want to talk to your tax professional, your financial planner about how these changes could impact you. Um, because if you're not on top of it, you might be missing out on some extra tax deductions or some extra tax breaks that you didn't know about that you could be getting. So again, one of those things that we talk about as financial planners all the time is that stuff is always changing, whether or not it be in your life or relating to the markets or relating to taxes or rules or whatever. And it's really hard to stay on top of all that stuff. So it's nice to have somebody um, to be able to talk to that can just break down for you. Here's what you need to know and how it relates to you. Too bad these didn't take effect the last couple of years when inflation was, was running hot and heavy. Right. Let's hope that doesn't happen again. So the indexes might not be quite as as good as they were in 2021 and 2022 and 2023. A couple of other things I I just want to touch on when we talk about uh, significant changes for, for 2024. There's a provision to help victims of domestic violence and domestic abuse. There is. So if you are are a victim of domestic abuse and you are under 59 and a half, you know, ordinarily, in order to access funds from your retirement, your IRA or your 401k, you're going to pay a penalty and tax on those distributions. Well, now, if again, a domestic abuse victim under the age of 59 and a half can take up to $10,000 out of their IRA or 401k, this is a one time without having to pay that that 10% penalty tax, up to $1,000 can be taken, again, penalty free from your IRA or from your 401k for emergencies. So even if you you haven't reached 59 and a half. Another change is the employer contribution limits for simple IRAs is increasing. That that one doesn't apply to that many people. I think simple IRAs are, we come across them more rarely, but they are still, you know, small employer plans. And those, those contribution limits are increasing as well. Employers with no existing retirement plans can now offer starter 401k accounts with a default enrollment. And so then the pay-in is basically going to be the same as as that for an IRA. So that's kind of a neat thing as well for smaller employers. They're getting in not only increases, but changes in the types of plans they can offer and the automatic enrollment, which automatic enrollment is basically saying, look, when you start working for our company, we're going to automatically put you in our 401k plan and deduct some money. So it's it's like you don't have, it's kind of an opt out instead of an opt in. So it's a big incentive for employers who want to help their employees get started without having to beg them to add to the plan. They can automatically enroll them. Yeah. And it's why 401k plans have been so effective over the past decade or so. I mean, as soon as that provision started to be put in in larger companies, they saw 401k enrollment shoot up from 50% to 80 or 90%. So I'm all for this kind of big brother impact. Um, lots and lots of changes is what I'm hearing for 2024. And as you said at the top of the show, we're going to continue to get more of these in 2025, 2026, 2027. Just another reason to make sure that you're working with somebody, that you're working with a wealth planner like Isabel so that you can take advantage of these new provisions as they continue to roll out. We started this show by taking one listener question. Let's continue and and take a few more after the break. Sound good to you? I love that. My favorite part is answering the questions. Perfect. Stick with us, everybody. We'll be right back. 
Are you worried about the current volatility of the market, inflation rates, talk of a recession? Are you second guessing your investment decisions? What better time than now to ensure your finances are moving forward than by getting an expert second opinion from an Edelman Financial Engines planner? Whether you already have a planner or simply need a new perspective, they can help you manage your wealth plan to both weather the volatility of the market today and help you protect and preserve it over the long term. To schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today, call 833-PLAN-EFE. That's 833-752-6333. Or visit their website at efewealthplanners.com. Put your uncertainties to rest once and for all. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup right now. We are back. We're going to wrap up this show by answering a few of your questions. The first one asks, what percentage of your 401k should you withdraw annually in retirement? Isabel, I suspect this is a trick question. This is definitely a trick question because this is like, is there a number that I can use that will be my answer, my magic ticket for retirement planning? Like, what's the what's the answer to retirement plan? And as you suspect, there is really no answer. I mean, generally speaking, you know, you hear a lot about a 4% rule. And what that means is, you know, the 4% rule says you should be able to draw 4% off of your account and have your account last for 20 plus years under many different past market conditions. But I will say that that rule of thumb is really not what you should be using as you think about your entire retirement distribution strategy, right? Because if you're 50 when you retire, 4%, I would argue, is way too high. And if you're 80 when you retire, 4% might be way too low. So I think there is not a right answer. You also have to think about all of the legs of your stool. You know, how much Social Security do you have and when are you going to take it? Do you have other accounts outside of your 401k? Do you have a mortgage you only have five more years to pay on? Well, your distribution rate might be higher in the first five years than it is in, you know, after that. So I think it's, this is really, you know, a, a question that kind of goes back to the fundamentals of, well, what are your goals? What's your inflow? What's your outflow? And also, I mean, the, the complexity of this are so are so great when we start now talking about what about health insurance? Are you on mm-hmm. Medicare? Do you have to worry about Medicare surtax premiums if you, uh, you know, if you take out too much and you have to pay Irma on top of your regular Medicare premium? You know, what about your taxes? Are your tax rates going to be higher now, lower now than they are in the future? What are your goals? Are your goals to retain as much? in your 401k as possible for your, you know, later in life or for your beneficiaries or to spend as much as you can now and die with your last dollar. I hear that one a lot. Um, that's kind of hard to, to plan around, to be honest. But um, unless you know the day you're going to die, it's not really one that we can, you know, mathematically formulate for you. But I think everybody has a different goal around what they want to accomplish. And this is the point of financial planning. And this is why, if you don't know how much to take out and you don't know what that's going to look like, you really need to talk to somebody about it. Like yes. right now, not don't wait. Don't wait until you are retired and then say how much can I take out of this account? It might not be enough. And it might be it might be really tricky when you take that into account with all of your other, you know, the other again, legs of the stool or pieces of the puzzle, so to speak. 
I have heard you and Andy Smith, who's also on the show a lot, say, save as much as you can for as long as you can. You know, when it comes to advice for accumulating for retirement, I think you can, you can bucket it like that and it tends to work. When it comes to the flip side, to pulling money out in retirement, it is so much more complicated than the accumulation phase. And I think even if you've never had an advisor before, when you get to withdrawal, you absolutely need one. So I'm with you on that. We've got another retirement-related question. Is Social Security still going to be around for someone who is 48 and planning to take it at 62? It, we could just go all day with these trick questions. You know, and this is maybe the most common question I get and my least favorite question to answer because it is a trick question. I mean, how would I, I don't know any more than the, the, about this and the legislation and what the likelihood is of one thing or another happening than anyone else who's calling in to ask about this or anyone else who's thinking about it. So do I know the answer of whether or not Social Security will be around forever in the same format that it is now? I don't know. But what I do know is that if you're worried about it, then you need to plan for that. You need to plan accordingly. So you should have a financial plan that takes into account Social Security or not Social Security, or maybe takes into account some portion of Social Security. If you're worried that your benefits will be cut, then let's think about, okay, what is a reduced amount from Social Security that's most likely? You know, is it 70%? Is it 50%? And plan around that. So if you're young and you're worried about the longevity of Social Security or the likelihood of it paying, then it may mean you need to save a little bit more now to account for that. You know, then and then if Social Security does come in or it's, you know, some amount uh, more than you were expecting or more than you planned for, great. It's a bonus, right? You can yep. spend a little bit more. Or maybe we can pivot, you know, if there are a lot of changes that come in the next five years to Social Security and you're only 48 and you haven't yet started taking it. Well, guess what? If you're planning as if it wasn't going to be there and then it gets changed and it looks like it is going to be there just in a different format, then guess what? You, now you can pivot and change, right? One of the things that we know about financial planning is that there's always going to be something that is changing, right? But 2.0, Secure Act 2.0, we've been talking about 90 changes, 90 provision changes, including RMDs and IRA contributions and all this. So you've been planning for your whole life to have to take an RMD at 70 and a half, and then it was 72, and then 73, and maybe 75. Well, these are all changes you have to kind of roll with, right? And there's always going to be something. So whether or not it be Social Security or Medicare changes or tax changes or contribution limit changes, whatever, inflation, you got to just be able to roll with it. And uh, that's kind of the magic of, of having a financial planner that you can meet with regularly is that you can stay on top of these things, right? You don't have to wait for five or 10 years and say, oh, well, you know, I wasn't planning for Social Security to go away. And now it, you know, now I'm getting less than I thought I was going to. And now I have to pivot and work longer. Well, start planning now and make updates and adjustments to your plan along the way. Love that. One final question. It's broad, so maybe you could give us one or two, but what tips do you have for healthcare coverage for retirees before age 65? So people who have left their main job, right, don't have healthcare coverage, but are not yet qualifying for Medicare. 
So Medicare starts to kick in when you're 65. And as long as you are eligible, you're going to automatically qualify at 65 for Medicare A. You have to opt in for Medicare B or C or D or any of the other ones. But prior to that, you've got a couple of different options. Now, none of them are all that cheap, but you do have some options. So number one, your employer may offer a retiree-sponsored healthcare plan. So federal government employees, for example, a lot of state government, a lot of teachers or union employees, you might have a retiree healthcare plan, which you can stay on through retirement until you hit 65. You know, if you're military, you have TRICARE and you can stay on that until you hit 65. For others, you're likely looking at potentially COBRA. So you can stay on COBRA depending on the circumstances of why you left work. It may be 18 months. It might be as long as three years. COBRA can cover you and your family. So if you're not, you know, if you don't have coverage through a spouse or another family member, um, you know, you can stay on COBRA from your employer. And that's probably four or $500 a month per person. So it's expensive, but you're keeping your same plan. So that's part of the appeal. Now, another alternative is a private plan. You can always mm. just go out and buy a plan privately, right? So you can go to, if you like Aetna, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, whatever, you can go on and, and buy a plan privately through that direction or that route. What is typically going to be potentially easier to get and less expensive, depending on your health and depending on your qualifications. So you do need to know that that in order to be qualified for the Affordable Care Act plans, those are the ACA state-sponsored plans, you have to essentially apply for this within 60 days of your leaving your employer. Um, that goes for that goes actually for Cobra as well. So you need to you need to do this within sixty days of of ending your employment. But the Affordable Care Act plans are usually going to be a little bit less expensive for the same level of plan. So you know if we're talking apples to apples in terms of what the plans offer, then Cobra. Um, and that's because a lot of times you may be eligible for, if you're not working anymore and you don't have as high of an income as you used to, you may be eligible for some subsidies. Those are just tax subsidies, you know, essentially that are going to end up reducing the total cost of that plan for you. So that might be, you know, maybe reducing it down to, for, for many people, that could reduce it down to almost nothing. But typically, I would say without those subsidies, those ACA plans are still going to be a little bit less than than COBRA. But it's a different plan. You know, you're going to a maybe a different health insurer, different plan than you were on with your employer, which is one of the benefits of, of COBRA, again, is just the continuity of the plan. But it's limited in the amount of time you can go. But if you retire at 64 and a half and you love your plan and you know you've only got six months to go you may just opt to, to stay on cobra so there there are a lot of options we do have resources to help people kind of wade through that Merck but um, it, it is you know it is definitely one of the things that I would say is is really complicated about an earlier than 65 retirement is just trying to figure out all the healthcare stuff Absolutely. And we did actually a whole show on this. If you're looking for more information, you can go back to everydaywealth.com and look for episode 42. It's called Healthcare in Retirement. It touches on the subject. And Isabel, that's it. That's all the time that we have today. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Of course. And if you've got questions about 
anything related to the SECURE Act and how it may impact your retirement savings or the different strategies that you should think about when it comes to building your wealth in the coming years, give the folks at Edelman Financial Engines a call. Talk to a planner like Isabel. They can help you reach your financial goals and be sure to subscribe to the Everyday Wealth Podcast wherever you stream your favorite podcasts or visit us at everydaywealth.com. All of our episodes are available to you. Thanks so much for listening and we'll talk soon. You've been listening to Edelman Financial Engines Everyday Wealth with Gene Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. If you've missed an episode or are interested in additional personal finance topics, be sure to subscribe to the Everyday Wealth Podcast. Our podcast library offers helpful insights on topics such as tax-efficient portfolios, retirement withdrawal strategies, investing, and financial planning, to name just a few. To learn more, visit our website, everydaywealth.com, or find our show wherever you stream your favorite podcast.